You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. This is your pilot, John Lafferty, with Century 21 Town & Country. And this is co-pilot Tony Abate with Ross Mortgage. And we we are are your real real estate estate pilots. pilots. You know, our job is to be your real estate advocate and also to make sure you're educated about the buying process. We'll keep you informed throughout until we get you safely closed. In a real estate purchase, there are many reasons a sale can encounter turbulence. Today, we are going to discuss a few of these bumps that can occur. Having an experienced team like Tony and I will help you steer through the turbulence. Yeah. John, you know, we, we see it all the time. You know, one of the things that uh, doesn't happen today is that we don't buy homes on Amazon and we don't finance them with the swipe of a card. You know, well, the, not the, yet anyways. Not yet. You know, yeah. uh, it takes some management and it takes uh, good eyes on the ball and experience to keep it uh, uh, running smoothly. One of the things that always frustrates us is things that we see near the end of a transaction that uh, that could be prevented or avoided at the beginning of the transaction with proper uh, with proper research and some diligence. And uh, John, one of the things that we see uh, from time to time is is just stuff that appears on a title search that ends up uh, adding to the time of the transaction, certainly contributes to turbulence in the deal that we want to avoid. And uh, from the lender perspective, we do see it near the end because after the contract is signed and after the title company does uh, does their research and sends us a, a title commitment, that's when we sometimes see those uh, those bumps in the road that can that can uh, that can upset the balance of the transaction and slow it down, which nobody likes. So, uh, John, you've been doing this a long time. You got tons of experience on on managing through these things. Uh, what are the kind of things that you see or questions that you might ask a seller relative to the home that they're selling uh, or even prepping a buyer uh, for some things to be aware of that uh, could happen that we just can't foresee? Um, again, so many of these things can be avoided with the proper questions. Yeah, very true, Tony. Thanks. One of the things when you're sitting down with a seller that I always like to do is talk about what type of liens are currently on the home. Mm-hmm. Most people have a mortgage. Sometimes they have a home equity line of a credit, a HELOC. Um, other times it's a second for um, maybe a, a, they got a student going to college and yeah. they pull out a second on the house. Um, so we see that a lot. That's very common. One of the things that sometimes happens is you'll have an owner refinance and then refinance again mm-hmm. five or seven years later. But what happens is that and, – and this happened a lot and it's still coming up with GMAC. So GMAC would loan somebody the money when they purchased the house uh-huh. and then that – that owner would refinance five, six, seven years later with another another lender. But GMAC wouldn't release that <laughs> lien against the property. Yeah. The other lender would just, hey, we're putting a lien on the property. GMAC never released their lien. So mm-hmm. this owner goes to sell the home in several years later, and here's this GMAC loan, yeah. lien still sitting there, not released, even though they were paid off. And and GMAC, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, doesn't exist anymore. 
Right. Yeah. You don't have the same go-tos is the problem. And we see it with that and, and we see it with home equity lines of credit because a line of credit is just what it is. If you use it, there's a balance. If you don't do it, it just sits there and has a zero balance, but it is still a lien. And one of the things that we see from time to time, and again, we see it at the end uh, as a lender, uh, as an agent. I know you asked the right questions to prevent it, but what we'll see is, uh, you know, hey, there's a second lien on the property. Something has to be done with it. And the homeowner says, I don't know what you're talking about. It hasn't been there. Uh, or I haven't, I haven't put that lien there. And it come to find out it's an equity loan that they got five, six, seven years ago, and they just never used it. They forget about it. But it's got to be cleaned out. Well, and that was happening a lot mm-hmm. back in the mid-2000s. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Easy money for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that they – I mean I had this with a, with a, uh, with a seller. She didn't realize that GMAC – had placed a home equity line of credit lien against the house. She remembered getting a letter in the mail that said, congratulations, you've been approved for a home equity line of credit up to $30,000. Thought nothing of it, put it away, didn't do anything with it, didn't touch it, didn't use it. Go to sell her house, pow, there it is sitting right there. It's a lien, hasn't been released. That was was about a seven to 10-day job to get that released, but- we caught it early, and it did not delay the transaction at all. So it's it's about trying to find that thing early. And, and part of that is having a title company that's been around a long time mm-hmm. and have good people working for them that are on top of that. come across so many title companies with a lot of these real estate companies and that I use. And, of course, Michigan is one of the few states where you can split title. Right. Mm-hmm. The buyer can choose their title company. The seller can choose their title company. It's one of the few states that allows that. So a lot of times you have two different title companies at closing. And if you're with uh, Mick and Joe's real estate company and they're <laughs> going to use BLT title to do the search <laughs> right. and and do the handle the closing, they may be nice enough people. But stuff like this gets missed a lot. And if you're a buyer – Man, you don't want that to happen right. because now you're responsible for that lien and now you've got to go to the title company, try to get them to cover it. And if you're using BLT title, BLT title might just fold up shop and say, ah, can't cover it. Right. It's on you, Mr. Homeowner. Mm-hmm. So um, we we try to catch those types of things early. And uh, you know, I, I, had, uh, I had one client several years ago. I had the listing and – we did the title search once we had a buyer, found a $12,000 lien from 1973 <laughs> that had never been released. Yeah. And it was a personal loan lien by those sellers who had sold the house to those people who bought it in 1973. So here oh we are gosh. trying to sell this house in the mid-2000s, and here's this lien from 73, 30 years old. God bless the title company. They tracked down both the seller, wife, and him. They had oh been gosh. they were divorced at this point. Had the wife sign off on it. She was happy to said, "Yep, they paid us, mm-hmm. no problem." But the husband refused. <laughs> he refused to answer the door. Oh, told him no. to take a fly and leap. <laughs> Don't step on my property. So 
but the title company got one side to sign off saying, yes, it had been paid. So it, it was fine. They released it. They they got it taken care of. Um, so due diligence like that from a title company is really important. And uh, when you're working with one that's experienced, it, stuff like that doesn't slip by. And when when you're working with a buyer – or a seller, those are things that you want to catch early because right. those things can delay a transaction. And in every contract that I've come across, whether it's my company's own purchase agreement mm-hmm. or another company's or the one that the MLSs or the boards use, the real estate boards mm-hmm. recommend, they all have caveats in their protections for the right. buyer in case something comes up on the title because the seller has to deliver clear title to the buyer right. in order for a transaction to close. Mm-hmm. No lender is going to accept a title with clouds on it and and fund a loan right. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you ask the right questions though, John. I know you do uh, because consumers know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. And sometimes you just have to lead them down that path to to make sure that the stuff that needs to become uncovered becomes uncovered. Uh, things like, hey, did, did you buy this with a, with a previous spouse that you're no longer married to? Um, hey, when you did that addition, did you take out a home equity line to uh, to pay for this? Let's just make sure that when the title search comes back, it's what we expect and avoid surprise. It can, you know, if you solved one in seven to ten days, kudos to you because it can sure take longer. It can go as far as, uh, you know, a seller might have to sue for quiet title if they can't get a lien discharge. And and what's the timeline then? That is that ninety days to boy, that's lengthy. That that varies. Mm -hmm. Um, At a minimum, it's it's three weeks because of what they have to do. Um, And so, yeah, you're right. Uh, I we tried to buy a house that they had to do a quiet title. Um, probably two years ago, and it took six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took six months. That's crazy. And and just to just so we're not using the vernacular, when suing for quiet title, that's basically a situation where a seller says, "Hey, Joe Smith is saying that there's a lien on this property. We don't think it's valid. We're putting it out there in the public domain so that if Joe Smith see this, he can come forward. He's got to come forward by this date in order to collect or perfect the lien or whatever. And if he doesn't, then the courts will say." Okay, this lien is now extinguished. It doesn't happen, but that that they have to give appropriate time for that person to come forward. And it can really muck up the deal. Buyers and sellers have moving trucks lined up. Kids to get into school. That is this turbulence that buyers and sellers don't need. Absolutely, yeah. And and I do everything I can to avoid those types of situations. Now, no matter how much prep you do and how prepared you can be. Sometimes turbulence happens unexpectedly, mm-hmm. but it's being ready to navigate those and having having a background and experience, and we talked about this uh, in our other podcast, having the experience to know how to navigate through them and give realistic timelines, what we're looking at, mm-hmm. and how to keep pushing to move forward and not get bogged down in things because that's easy to do too. Yeah, that's a big deal. And you know, to, to your point on the experienced title companies so often, and it's title companies that you and I use, you know, we'll have that dialogue, hey, we're having a problem with this issue on title. And very often the response from the title company is, you know what, I've got a point of contact at this place. Let me give them a call and see what we can work out. It is a lifesaver and it all happens behind the scenes that buyers and sellers don't have to be involved in. And that turbulence is just put to rest. Yeah, and just to just to piggyback on that, having a title company 
that in a timely manner contacts the lender that currently has the lien on the property Mm -hmm. for a payoff, sometimes those lenders require a 14-day lead time or a 10-business-day lead time. So if you have a title company, BLT title, who (laughs) decides that, uh, oh, got this one, got to close in uh, three days. Hey, we're ordering a payoff. What? Oh, it's an emergency. Oh, we have to pay an extra $75. Okay, I, I guess we'll eat that. What? No, the seller has to pay that? Oh, oh okay. We'll just work that into our fees to the seller. <laughs> yeah. Don't think yeah. that doesn't go on because it does. Yeah. Not with our title company, but uh, I've seen it plenty of times. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well one of the other things, just real quick on this, uh, one of the other things that, uh, that I came across not too long ago was a uh, – and this was happening a lot during the foreclosure market and short sale market, the 2008 to 2014, 15, when we had a lot of those homes out there, saw a lot of quick claim deed sales, right? And so people were quick claiming homes to friends, relatives, uh, for cash. Mm -hmm. Hey, buy my home, pay me $30,000, even though the market says it's worth 80, pay me 30, it's yours, I'll quick claim the title to you, and we're we're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a reason that they're quit claiming those homes <laughs> that they're not going through a regular sale. Mm-hmm. It's because there's liens against the property. Maybe there's a divorce settlement that is tagged to that house. So whenever you go to sell it, spouse gets whatever she's owed or he's owed, and then the remainder goes to whoever owns the home. Um, still see up until a year ago, saw a lot of those types of sales in parts of Detroit, these quick claim deal sales where the yeah. home was for sale for five grand. And a, a potential buyer would call me up and say, man, I don't understand. This house is $5,000. It's a three-story brick. I, I want to buy it. I, I've got the cash. <laughs> I want to buy it. I, and I say, well, here's what I see in the – it's a quick claim deed. Yeah. Run from those. Yeah. Run from those most of the time. If it's too good to be true, it usually is, as they say. Exactly right. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's unfortunate. During that difficult time of the recession, uh, you know, people were stressed and they were pushed th- to do things that they would not otherwise do. And uh, we're unwinding some of that now when we see those properties being resold. Um, John, let me, let me switch gears a little bit here. And another thing that you have to uh, manage and, and deal with to avoid turbulence on a transaction. You know, when, when you're, when you're dealing with the seller who is selling their home, it's, it's a very emotional process. And, and For you sure. have to, have to kind of move that from an emotional to, to a more objective and, and sterile type of process to, to make it, to make it happen cleanly and, and appropriately. And, uh, the way the seller looks at a transaction is often different from the way that you have to look at the transaction as a real estate professional. Sellers take the standpoint of, Hey, what's mine is mine and it's going to go with me. But there's distinctions between, well, real property versus personal property. Um, Hey, are these rose bushes mine because my grandmother gave them to me? So, you know, talk a little bit about some of the things that you do to, to kind of help sellers avoid that turbulence and, and walk through drawing those lines in the sand. Sure. What I do is have a conversation with a seller at the beginning of the process. So we have a discussion about items within the home that they're maybe thinking about taking with them or want to take with them. There are things in the home, sometimes appliances, sometimes vanities, sometimes 
drapes or or uh, curtains, things that would normally possibly be left with a sale mm-hmm. or be offered with a sale that maybe was given to them by uh, a parent that's no longer sure. with us or a grandparent that's no longer with us. And those have emotional attachments. So I have a conversation with the seller up front to find out if anything like that exists in the house. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we need to exclude that would normally be included in a sale? No? Okay, great. Now let's talk about the appliances because all appliances are negotiable. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not automatically included in the sale. So I want to find out from the seller, are we including the refrigerator, the stove? Are we including the dishwasher? How about the microwave? Mm-hmm. What about the washer and dryer? And I would say – some sellers usually will leave. Well, I paid eight grand for that refrigerator. If they make me a crazy offer on the house, we may include it in the sale. But otherwise, I want to leave that out as negotiable, sure. and, I, and I'd be happy just to take that with me. So we we have that conversation. I put those kinds of exclusions into the agreement, and then we put those things in the MLS, typically that are offered for or with the sale. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a buyer and you have a buyer agent, don't automatically assume that because it's listed on there as included, that it's going to be included. This has happened a lot. Buyers, you have to put it in the purchase agreement if you want it included in the sale. Mm -hmm. Being in the MLS means nothing. It has to be in the purchase contract. So- the typical things that are included in a sale, we say, generally speaking, all attachments, right? Right. Drapes, window treatments, those types of things are generally included in the sale unless they are excluded up front and you're notified of them. And typically that'll end up in the agreement as well, that these items are excluded. But if it's not included, don't be surprised if you show up for your final walkthrough and appliances are gone or other <laughs> things are missing that you just assumed were included in the sale. That that's a that's a big one and that and that has happened in the past. Also, <laughs> what has happened in the past is sellers think that they're clever and that the buyer's not paying attention and they will switch out a refrigerator. <laughs> Here's this nice yeah. Samsung with the digital readout, the water, the ice maker, it's beautiful, has everything I ever wanted. And lo and behold, you do the final walkthrough, and it's a Samsung, and it looks similar, but it's not the same one. Entry level. (laughs) Entry level or mid-range. It's not the high-end one that they had originally there. So there's been a a few of those where they try to switch it out and pull a fast one. And again, paying attention and having a realtor that catches those things and lets you know what happens in that instance. What are your rights? What can you do? How do we get this remedy? Yeah. Yeah. There are ways to go about that. So yeah, this is this is a real big one. And and then of course the flip side of that, Tony, is the seller, the the home. Generally speaking, all purchase contracts say that the home has to be left in broom clean condition, <laughs> in in yeah. in substantially the same condition it was when the buyer decided to buy it. So one of the things that every seller loves to leave paint. Paint, yeah. 
hey, I'm going to leave you the yellow paint that we did the upstairs bedroom in 25 years ago. Right. We still got that in the paint can in the basement just in case you want to match it up for any scratches or anything like that. Can't get the lid off, but it's there, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Can't get the lid off, can't do anything with it. Paint is one of the biggest hassles because what? It, it costs you money to dispose of sure. it because it's, it's a contaminant and a hazard. And so that's one of the biggest things I see sellers leave. Also, sellers leave other things that they don't want anymore typically and you'll find those in a garage. The, the garage for some reason in a seller's head doesn't equate to being broom clean and <laughs> removing personal effects. The garage somehow seems to be the dump ground for the paints and the paint thinner and the old brushes and <laughs> and all these other things. The workbench that's fallen apart. All that yeah. stuff seems to get left in the garage. 30 cans of gasoline and mixed <laughs> oil and gas for the snowblowers it used yeah. to have. So yeah, we, we come across that a lot. Um, but we try and stay on top of that so that we don't have to worry about a buyer doing their final walkthrough and finding all this crap and clutter in the yeah. basement or the garage. Yeah, we've seen that. The garage is the thunderdome of the real estate it transaction, really, isn't it? really, really yeah. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> one, of, one of the things, and, and uh, you helped my – um, you helped my nephew get a loan for the home that he bought, and um, there was a an old piano in the basement, mm, yeah. and and I said to them at the time, "You guys, we have to put in a purchase contract that they have to remove it because every seller will find thirty different ways to try and leave it here. <laughs> nobody wants to move it because nobody wants it if you try to donate it to them. Mm -hmm. Schools don't want it." Senior facility care centers don't want it. Nobody wants it. So you have to pay somebody to come and haul it out, cut it up and haul it out. And it can get quite expensive. So I warned them up front. So we put it in the purchase agreement, sellers to remove. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we get to within 48 hours of closing, we're getting ready to do our walkthrough. And the sellers give us a heads up. We haven't removed the piano yet. Would you guys like it? Wow. Yep. And they decided, you know what? Maybe we do want it. So they kept it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So good for them. But just as a general rule, I mean, those are one of the tougher things to to haul out and get rid of are those. And, and what ends up happening is it's one of the few items that I see get passed down from seller to buyer to <laughs> seller to buyer to seller to buyer. It, it tends to remain with a home for a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. so common that you see that. Yeah, it's like quasi real property because nobody wants to get it out of there. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, so so the takeaway from this really is that having having an experienced realtor who can help you navigate the turbulence of if you're a seller making sure you exclude the items so that we don't have to beg borrow and steal before closing with the buyer to maybe replace it and on the other side as a buyer helping you avoid that turbulence of expecting the refrigerator to be there or those nice drapes that you had in the living room are now gone and Pottery Barn style drapes are now in there <laughs> instead of the nice ones that were there. So mm -hmm. yeah, having having a good uh, a good real experienced real estate agent will help you avoid that turbulence and heartburn at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. That does it for another edition of our Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. My name is John Lafferty with Century 21 Town and Country. And this is Tony Abate with Ross Mortgage. And remember, 
Always use experienced real estate pilots when you're trying to navigate buying or selling a home. That's right. Avoid that turbulence.